0: a celebration. Isn't it great to see what God's done over the last 20 years? Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap for that. Isn't that great? Isn't it fun to be a part of something just to watch it kind of work out? Aren't you thankful that we get better with age? I was nervous. I hadn't seen that video yet, and I was nervous at the pictures of myself, And, and uh, but it was scary. It's very scary to see Fat Troy. So, uh, anyway... But thank God for his grace. So uh, thank you guys so much for just being kingdom builders. Listen, let's give it up for all of our kingdom builders. Come on, let's give a big hand of praise for them. It's so it's so wonderful to be a part of something that, um, you know, to, to watch a young person like Carly and all the young people uh, that we are investing in. I don't, think, I don't think we realize the importance of what's going to happen. Just so you know, those are the ones that are going to take over later. And so we want to make sure that they are invested in correctly with the right morals and values and, and God-filled faith that they need to lead this country into the future, right? Aren't you glad to be a part of a church like that? I know I am. I know I am. We also want to welcome all of our live streamers. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Troy Max. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. Uh, your campus pastors, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron, stand up. These are your campus pastors here. At our central campus. If you're kind of new to Freedom House, um, we have three sites and online. So you can, if you have a friend that lives in uh, the area, we have South End, Lake Norman area, working on a, a farther south campus. And so, but we also have online, and we have people from all over the world Dominican Republic, come on somebody, Ireland, North Carolina, New York, North Dakota, New Jersey, New Mexico, South Carolina, Georgia. Sorry, Georgia, Last yesterday was tough, sorry about that, Morgan. Florida, Kentucky, Virginia, Indiana, Connecticut, Tennessee, Maryland, Massachusetts, Montana, Colorado, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, thank you guys for joining us, wonderful day, starting a brand new series that will lead us right into Christmas, Christmas Eve is actually on a Sunday, and so you can invite your friends and family to come to church, just, just tell them if they come to your house, they have to come to church. People say, well, you know, my family's in town, you know, well, bring them, drag them to church. Stick them in the back of your car, you know, tranquilize them, whatever you need to do to get them to church. In 1974, in November, in New York City, right along the East River around 33rd Street, there was a trench digging machine owned by Steers, Derek Steers. It was actually the number two trench digging machine, and it was digging out A trench along the East River, so ships could come through and have the depth that they needed. When all of a sudden, this two thousand ton bucket grabbed hold of something, and a tug of war started happening, where the bucket started pulling, and what was under the river started pulling as well. It went on for several minutes. This tug of war that happened. When all of a sudden, what was in the river broke loose, and The actual trench digger almost fell into the icy cold river there in New York City. And as to their amazement, this anchor was pulled out of the East River. 5,000 pounds that it weighed. It now sits on 31st Street in New York City. You know, the Bible tells us that in Hebrews 6 verse 19 that We have a hope that is an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, what's interesting is that anchors have been used in ships dating back to 5,000 B.C. Now, when you think of an anchor, many of us would think of something that you would drop when you're stopping your boat. Now, if you have a boat, you've been on a boat, and you want to stop, enjoy the moment, kind of set, or maybe you're going to spend the night in that boat, you would make sure you would set your anchor for the placement so you would stay right in that place, which is important. And I think if you kind of carry that over into our life, it's making we need to make sure that we have an anchor that holds us in the right place. You know, the Bible calls that our hope, our hope in Christ. Christ is that anchor, by the way. But what people don't realize is that anchors are also used in the middle of a storm. Matter of fact, they're very important in a storm because what they do for your vessel is they hold you in the correct direction in the middle of a storm. So that you aren't capsized by the waves. Anchors are extremely important to keep the bow, your life, facing in the direction that God has commanded you to hit. To hit and to drive your life. Hope. When it's hard. That's what I want to talk about today. Because sometimes life is hard. We live in a very hopeless world right now. And our church, Freedom House and the church, is meant to bring hope to the masses. That's our job. You know, we were talking back in the back room with the worship team that we really are hope dealers. That's our job. We need to deal some hope. We, we, that's that's what the Christmas season is all about. Is about understanding that we really do have a future in Christ, that there is something special ahead of us called heaven, that there is a a life that you can lead that can be full of hope. It can really be our anchor in the midst of a storm. I want to give you a quick definition. This is kind of my definition. Hope is the simple belief that tomorrow will be better than today. Tomorrow is going to be But Turn to your neighbor and say, it's got to get better. It's got to get better. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I got hope. I got hope. Come on, say it loud. Say hope. Say hope. We also define hope as as the uh, confident expectation of good. Hope is just a small glimpse of heaven. I don't think we'll need hope in heaven. Do you? I mean, because we're there already. We'll have it. I mean, we've experienced. We are in the middle of it. We're walking on streets of gold and we'll enjoy The presence of God, the hope that we've waited for, we we need hope for, is what's ahead. Hope has eyes and always looks forward to something brighter, something bigger, something greater. And our hope, our Bible hope, is built on a foundation of confidence in the one who, the one who went to the cross and died for us, who now lives and sits at the right hand of, of God. Hope is founded on the faithfulness of God. Hope is a small word, but wears big shoes because hope can take you out of tough situations and take you into your great dreams. Do y'all believe that? Hope is something that you can't see, but you can feel it. I don't know if you've ever been in a hopeless room. I have, but I've also been in a hope-filled room. When you walk into a hope-filled room, when you walk around, when you're around somebody who's full of hope, it just kind of gets on you, doesn't it? Hope is will wake you up when you don't feel like getting up. Hope will move you when you don't feel like moving. Hope picks you up when you feel like quitting. My life's verse is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And this is the promise from God. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now what's interesting about this promise from God is that we see that there's a difference between future and hope, isn't it? If he says he'll give you both, then there's obviously something different between future and hope. Future is obviously talking about tomorrow, but we don't need hope tomorrow, we need hope today for tomorrow. And when God makes a promise, I want you to understand it always happens. That's one thing you can believe. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that when we are faithless, he's faithful. His promises always come to pass. And you can build your life around the word of God and what he promises, his faithfulness. We can build that hope when it's hard on the faithfulness. God's promises, his word is forever settled in heaven and it has to come to pass. Now, In Hebrews 6, verse 19, which we just read, in order to understand really what this anchor means, we have to kind of go back a little bit and look at the previous few verses because God is talking specifically around Abraham and the promise that he gave to Abraham, who is the father of our faith. Right after Abraham had said, I'll kill my son, my firstborn, my only son. Um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take Isaac up on this mountain and, and kill Isaac. And he, obviously we know, we know the story, Genesis chapter uh, 22, 21, where Je- Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain and right as he's about to kill Isaac, uh, God shows him a provision of a ram and, and then, then God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, I'm gonna bless you and you'll be blessed. All your future generations are gonna be blessed. I'm gonna multiply you, and you're gonna be multiplied because of your faith in me. And then he says, the reason why you can trust me. Now I want you to catch this church and I'm going a direction with this. The reason why you can really put your hope in God is because of verse 18. It says, so God has given both his promise and his oath to us. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And then he describes it. This hope is the anchor of our soul. This is a promise from God. When God says it, you can believe it. Period in the discussion. So, when you decide to put your hope in God when it's hard, you can trust whether in this life or in the next, His Word will come to pass. This is what gives us the stability to make it through the challenging times. This is the confidence, the hope that we have two things God's integrity and his promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says for all the promises of God are yes and amen. In him in God to the glory of God through us. So his promises are in him, but he gets glory through us. And our hope, as we live out this hope, he gets glory. I like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 13. And now about faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This is right after, you know, he, he talks about love. I'm sure if you've been to a wedding, you've heard it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. See, faith looks back. It reminds us of what Jesus did on the cross. My sins have been forgiven. God is faithful. Love looks around and reminds me that Jesus is with me. The Holy Spirit keeps me. Hope looks ahead and tells me that Jesus is coming, that he did come out of the grave that he is alive and we're moving toward a finished work. Everything's gonna be okay, maybe in this life, but surely in the next. Have hope when it's hard. Now, hope is not really necessary when things are going good. I don't even really think, we don't even think about hope, do we? Man, it's going good, you know. Thanksgiving was awesome. Uncle Joe didn't show up. It was fantastic. We didn't have to talk about, you know, the the football games were great. The turkey was good. You brined it good this year. It wasn't dry. Everything was, everything's going good. My job's going, you don't have to have hope then. We don't even, we don't even talk about hope. No, we start, we start talking about hope when things are not good. When it's hard, when we lose that job. When we're going through a divorce. When somebody close to us passes away. they die that's when we need hope i just went through a situation with pastor steve remember steve smotherman who came and preached a few weeks ago what you didn't know is that when he came on that thursday prior to speaking one of his closest friend's sons had died they found him in his truck 38 years old had a massive heart attack and we talked, I mean, we, you know, he's, he's my pastor, but through the entire time, from the phone call he got on Thursday all through the weekend, he was bringing hope to the family. Because the son who was going through a divorce, who was struggling in his relationship with his wife, both of which had made big mistakes in their marriage, was coming back to God. Matter of fact, on Tuesday night, Uh, when Steve was preaching at his church, the the son was actually at church in the green room talking to him. But we don't need hope when things are going good. It's when those situations happen is when we need hope. When somebody betrays you, that's when you need hope. When it doesn't feel like your dream is happening, when man, you've got this, this thing that you know you're supposed to accomplish and it just doesn't seem to be getting any traction at all. That's when you need hope. In the Bible, one of the things I've learned is that we can see through the story, specifically when Jesus is with his disciples, we can see the introduction of this hope over and over again. I wanna share a story with you and kinda unpack this a little bit about understanding how to have hope when it's hard. Because some of you in this room, some of you watching online today, maybe you're struggling. Maybe things aren't going that well. Maybe the outlook of life, your kids are not serving God. I I don't know. It just doesn't look very, very good. You're in the middle of a storm. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well he sent the multitudes away verse 23 and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up on the mountain by himself to pray now when evening came he was alone there but the boat was now in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary now in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea Can you imagine And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Ah. They didn't put that in the (laughs) Greek text. It's the Maxwell added translation. Ah. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It's me. Do not be afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water So he said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus said, go, go, gadget arm, stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith. I think it's what's interesting about this is Peter was sinking and Jesus had to be really close to him in order for him to reach out. In other words, even though you may feel like you're sinking, Jesus is right there to pick you up. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Now let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus? Why did the disciples get into the boat? It's not a trick question. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made them get in the boat. I want you to understand something about hard times. Hard times come when you obey. I know we don't like to talk about that in church because we like to blame hard times on the devil all the time. But the disciples were told to get in the boat and Jesus sent them into a storm. What? Immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. And the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In other words, obedience doesn't always mean easy. Remember this, church. It doesn't always mean easy. It doesn't mean everything's going to go okay. Obedience sometimes will put you in a furnace. Obedience sometimes will lead you right into a lion's den. Just telling you the Bible here. Obedience sometimes will put you right into the wilderness. Sometimes it'll put you right before your Pharaoh, where you gotta gotta be able to deal with something. Obedience sometimes causes trials and tests. God sometimes is the author of your heart, He's responsible for it. Not your temptation, because we gotta understand there's a difference between being tempted and being tested, because you will be tested. You do everything right, and it still is terrible. You ever read the Bible, and you see names in the Bible, and you're like, where did the world did they come up with that name? Like names of people? You know, there's a name of a city that I think sometimes obedience will lead you in. It's called the city of Succoth. (laughs) Sometimes obedience will lead you into the city of Succoth. It's the Bible, it's the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and just look at him. If you're in the city of Succoth, say, I'm there. I'm in the city of Succoth. I am in the city of Succoth. I mean, it just Succoth all the time. Everywhere you go, it just seems that you are paying taxes to the city of Succoth. Anybody ever been to the city of Succoth? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody in the middle of the city of Succoth right now? Come on, raise your hand. If you're online, come on, just don't, don't t- close the computer if you're in the city of Succoth. Right now, we have Succoth, North Dakota, Succoth, New Jersey, Succoth, New Mexico, Succoth, South Carolina. Because we all go through obedient seasons of suffering. We're obedient and we're still suffering. And that's when you need hope. All through the Bible, we see people that live in that city. My favorite story is the story of Paul and Silas. They were, Paul was doing the will of God. He shows up in the city called Philippi, and this girl starts following him around and calling him, you know, follow these men, they're the son of God. They're, they're following the sons of God. They're preaching the word of God. And really, it's the demon just kind of sarcastically t- you know, taunting Paul and Silas. And after a few days, Paul just gets annoyed with her. The Bible says, turns around and casts the devil out of her. Now, what he didn't know is this girl like Dion Sanders back in the, Deion, uh Warwick in the 1-900 numbers, if you're over 45, you know what I'm talking about. She, she was making money for all these people. And, and he took an economic, you know, windfall away from this group of people and they threw him in jail. So he's obeying God and gets thrown in jail. But he doesn't lose hope. Bible says at midnight, he's singing. You know, hope has a name. You know, he's just got David in his, he's listening to David play his guitar and he's just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing like David sings. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing. And so he's singing and the Bible says that all the prison doors open up, all the chains fall off all the people. Now, if that was you and you were in prison, what would you do? You would, I would think, that's for me, I'm out of here. But Paul didn't go anywhere because Paul realized that his obedience that put him in prison was not for him to get released from prison, but for the jailer who came and said, oh my gosh, the doors are open. I'm going to get killed. Paul says, stop. He goes home with the jailer. The whole family of the jailer gets saved. See, in the middle of the city of Succoth, maybe there's somebody that needs to hear your hope story so they can get out of their city. Come on, somebody. I'm a pretty hopeful guy. I think if you're around me for any length of time, I, I, I am a pretty positive guy, you know. I've always lived that way. I'm always glass half full, not glass half empty. I don't, really like, I don't even like hanging around people like that, you know. I, and most of my friends are like that too. They're, they're, they're nice because usually people that are mean are half empty because they're just negative, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm 99% of the time, I'm a hopeful person. There's only been one time in the history of this church where I felt hopeless, one time. And I, I was being obedient. I mean, we've been hopefully obedient the entire time as a church. But 10 years ago, um, if you've been coming here for any length of time, we went through a pretty... Uh, horrific time as a church. I thought it was over, honestly. We had just built this building, this building. And this, uh, one of the young ladies in in the church had sent a letter out uh, to a few of the leaders that got leaked out to the media. And this is when I learned that the media will twist and turn everything. And... We have always been a multiracial, multicultural church, and we were accused of being racist. I was accused. Penny was accused. Everybody was being accused. It went from a local store. I'll never forget. I was at a wedding, and one of of my staff people came up to me and pulled me outside. I was mad at him, too. I was like, I can't believe you're pulling me outside for this. Why are you taking me outside right now? I want to enjoy this wedding. And I was in, she takes me outside and he goes, Hey, you need to look at this. Um, they're about to break this story on Freedom House. And I'm like, What story? And he showed me, you know, this story was going to come out. And I'm telling you this so you don't have to Google it. Okay? Because I know what you're going to do. You're going to go, you're, Some of you already Googling it. By the way, there's been lots of stories since then calling us all kinds of names that aren't true. And so I, 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 he takes me outside, and you, know, you ever feel like the, the life just leaves you? Okay, this whole thing that we've been building for seven, eight years, I thought it was over. It was over. The next day, uh, that Monday, I came into work. I'll never forget. I drove around parking lot. I drove, and I parked in the, handicapped spot because I was like it's over with like I am I am fully I felt like God said I felt like not God I felt like inside of me this was completely over I thought the building was going to be gone I thought the church was going to be gone I thought everything was going to walk away and as I walked in the door no joke God dropped something in me he said don't quit I wanted to quit I wanted to give up. I mean, I felt like my house was built in the city of Succoth. I mean, I'm serious. I thought it was over with. We had built this building for naught. It's going to end. But what happened was God actually used the false fake news to completely revolutionize our church And within a few days, within a few weeks, the church had actually grown by 35% as a result of the attack. You know, Jesus is the best example of obedience leading into suffering. Because his obedience took him to the cross. So I want you to think about this. If you ever think your, your, your time is really hard, just remember that Jesus' his time was way harder and he did it for you. See, trials and tests are used to develop in us the capacity to have hope. These are the times that God uses to grow us and strengthen us. Suffering is only for a season and hope is what sustains us. James 1, one of my least favorite verses in the Bible, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The two main ingredients to our faith are hope and patience. Those are very important ingredients. So hope helps when it hurts. Hope is what's needed to get through the trial and the test. We can keep obeying even when it hurts the worst. You can keep keep pressing forward because you have hope. Every day believing when you don't see it. Every day saying when it doesn't seem to be there. Hope is the anchor that holds you focused in the storm. So that's why we have to ask God for hope. Sometimes God will let us hit rock bottom so we can meet the rock at the bottom. That's what we need to do. Sometimes we find ourselves there. I think the psalmist understood this when he was in the middle of his hardest time. My soul thirsts, Psalms 42, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, he's saying, look, I'm kind of done with this life. When am I gonna be in front of you, God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Sometimes you just got to tell your soul, hope in God. You got to tell your heart, hope in God. And the Bible says, now, in the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So hope walks in when it's hard. It helps you when it hurts, but it walks in when things are hard. In other words, if life makes you feel like you're drowning, your lifeguard will walk on the water to you. Storms and trials actually introduce us to a perception of God, or a perception of hope that we haven't had yet. I want you think about this. Because it's hope that allows us to understand that Jesus can operate in a different way than maybe we've ever experienced him, ever. And so the disciples are in the boat, they're in the middle of the storm, they're obeying God, Jesus told them to get in the boat, They're probably wondering, we're gonna die. Now, they're fishermen, so this storm must have been really bad for them to be nervous. Must have been really bad. And Jesus walks to them on the sea. Now, he could have come to them anyway. He could have gotten a boat. He he could have done it anyway, but he decides to walk on the sea. And they all get afraid, and they go, what is that? What's that over there? Is that a ghost? They're afraid. And he says, no, 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 guys, it's me, it's Jesus. See, he came to them walking on the sea because they needed to see him in that light. Because if they couldn't see Jesus differently in that moment, how in the world could they believe that he would be raised from the dead? See, what God will do in the midst of your hard times is he will, through those hard times, show you a part of himself that you need to have in order to get through the hard times. And for them, it was Jesus walking on the water. Jesus is walking on the water. They go, oh my gosh, who is that? What is going on? I can't believe this is gonna happen. I'm afraid. But in order for them to believe that Jesus would be raised from the dead, they had to understand that he could walk on water. Don't ever limit hope, guys. Don't ever, ever limit hope. Hope is a water walker when he needs to be. Hope is a mountain mover when he needs to be. Hope is a cancer healer when he needs to be. Hope is a voice in the wilderness when he needs to be. Hope is a debt remover when he needs to be. Hope is a grave robber when he needs to be. Don't ever limit hope. Maybe you maybe you have never seen hope like that. Maybe you've never experienced hope like that. But Jesus sometimes has to break out of the box of the way grandma taught you Jesus was. Maybe he needs to break out of the box that you think that he needs to be and maybe you've kind of put God in this non-water walking, provisionary Grave-robbing, lion-mouth-closing kind of fictitious idea, but God will reveal in the middle of the storm. He'll show you that I can be different. I, I can, I can come, a, I, can, I can come a different way. I can show you a new way. I can, I can transform the situation like you've never seen it transform. You, you need help in your finances? Then, then I can change the way everything shifts. I can. If I need to stop the sun from moving, then I will. If I need to stop the earth from spinning, then I will. If I need to change a person's outlook, if I need to remove somebody out of your life and put somebody new into your life, then that's the kind of God that I am. That's who God can be. He is our hope. Come on, stand up on your feet, church. Come on. So here's what happens, here's what happens, here's what happens. So here's what Jesus does. Or actually, here's what Peter does. They're all nervous. All the disciples are in the boat. They're going, what in the world's going on? And then Peter goes, Peter, the least likely of all of them. Least likely. He says, hey, if that's you, Jesus, then call me to come. Because this is what hope does. Hope will always beg you to take another step. You don't feel like it. You don't want to do it. You don't want to get up again. But hope says, just like Jesus, come. I know you've tried church before, but take another step. I know you prayed before, but pray again. I know you trusted once before, but you can trust one more time. Jesus has come. And then Peter, I've never seen the story like this before. And Peter just steps down out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. I know, I know we focus on the fact that he sunk, but Peter still walked on the water. He still walked on the water. None of you have ever done that before. If, if you have, you better put that on TikTok. Tony, put that on TikTok. You walk on water, that'll go viral, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Hope will help you walk on your hardest times. You got hope in your heart. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. If you're here today and you want to give Jesus an opportunity to change your life, he's hope. He wants to be the anchor of your life. He wants to steer you in the right direction. Let me tell you, I can't think of a better time to give your life to Jesus Christ than during the Christmas season. He was born a child, so that you could have hope in your life forever and ever and ever. I don't know what hopeless situation you may be going through today, but I want to pray that God will deposit hope. Maybe, maybe it's Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you're here today and you are, like I said, I know I kind of jokingly said, you are living in the city of Succoth and you want to get out. It's time for a transplant. I want to pray for you. And we're going to go old school today. If you need hope, deposit it in your heart because we all need it some of us feel like me back 10 years ago when I parked in that spot and I was like oh my gosh it's all over with I don't know what's going to happen but then God will deposit just all in just a little glimpse of heaven just a little glimpse of hope that's all you need all you need just to take another step just to take another step. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to this altar because I want to. I want to pray for you specifically today. If you say, "I just need some hope," I, I need hope deposited on the inside of me. I am. I feel hopeless right now. I, I, maybe that's in your marriage. I need. I need some hope in my marriage. I need some hope in my in my pocketbook. I need some hope in my checking account. I need some hope. For my kids. My kids are not serving God. I need some hope in my life. I need hope for a job. A promotion. A future. I need to hope to wake up tomorrow morning. Because it feels like I just have no hope. Just come and as you come. Just lift your hands. And let me tell you. The hope. The one who died for you. The one who was crucified and raised from the dead. Is going to come and fill you with the hope. A hope that can withstand any storm. A hope that can challenge any wave. A hope that can come against any, a hope that comes out of the grave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just let him touch you right now. Thank you. That's his presence right now. That's the presence of God. All across this room, why don't you just lift your hands up? Just lift your hands up in a form of surrender. God, I surrender. I I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. You might even whisper that, God, I, I need you more than ever. I need your hope. It's hard right now right now, God, and I know your hope helps me when it hurts. I know your hope will walk, has walked out on the water to me, God. I've hit rock bottom and I'm ready to build my house on the rock. My life on the rock. Father, I pray right now that you would fill every person with your hope. Matter of fact, if you, if you came forward today in church, I'd love you to join with them. Let's make a confession over our... I, I believe in confession. Just like the psalmist did in Psalms 42, sometimes you gotta talk to yourself. I know it seems a little awkward sometimes to do it, but sometimes you just gotta talk to yourself. So just, just say this out loud. Say, I am a child of God I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I am a follower of Jesus Christ I am filled with the Holy Spirit I am full of the hope of God I am full of the Holy Spirit soul hope in God mind Hope in God. Heart. Hope in God. Today, I am taking a step in hope. In hope, I believe. In hope, I have faith. In Jesus Christ, I am full of hope. In Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands one more time and just let them just deposit that promise on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your hope. Thank you, Jesus. We are full of hope. Full of hope. Just confess it right now. I'm full of hope. I am full of hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience. Let me pray for you, Father. I thank you that these children of you, of yours, God, have been obedient They're walking in your path. We all make mistakes, God. We all get distracted. But Father, our hearts are after you. And God, many of them are in the middle of a storm. And you're calling them out of the boat to walk above their circumstances, to walk above their problems. So Father, I pray that from today throughout this entire season, God, the seasons season of, uh, of, of feeling like that we are, we got an Airbnb in the city of Succoth. But God, I pray that, that that term, that lease is over as of today. And Father, I thank you that that lease ends today and we are children planted in the promises of God. And so, Father, I pray over each person that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Whatever promise they need, Father, I pray that you would, you would give them, give them that, that, that integrity, that oath, that promise they need to take another step. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Just stay right here just for a second.